Welcome to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. You know, Australia's done reasonably well when it comes to the pandemic and how we got through COVID and all of those sorts of things. I mean, economically, we're not too bad. But there's some bumps along the way that I want to talk to you about. So let me get into what's happening in the uh, the economic world for this week. First of all, we can learn from the US property boom. Now, we're not the only one going through a boom, and there's a, a bit to talk about right around the world. I mean, it's, it's not just here. What we're seeing in Australia is happening elsewhere as well. Why the global economy is still a great place for Australia to be, and what's driven exports to record levels. And again, that's good for our balance of trade. How we effectively managed the Chinese trade bans when they decided they didn't like us anymore and while uh, still growing our overall export revenue. In effect, it was actually a good thing for us because it made us less reliant on one country. Why foreign buyers are back? Goodness me, although there's not much stock for them to actually be picking through and why the property boom is still in a high gear as investors take the baton from the first home buyers. All right, let's get into it for the week. Now, remember, if you're listening to me on any of the uh, podcast forums, so iTunes or on Spotify, make sure at some stage you get across to the I Love Real Estate website so that you can get a copy of all of the charts and the, the diagrams and everything else that I've got for you in the in the presentation today. Okay, so first up, we're talking about the world is still a great place for Australia to be. Why is that? Well, because we're chock-a-block full of minerals. The mining boom is still delivering gold for Australia, and not just gold, but all the minerals. Uh, we have also seen a pickup in the foreign buying of Australia. So, I mean, when we go back to GFC, now, uh, that's the most recent downturn that we had, and that was at the peak of the last property cycle. And during GFC, what we saw is that the mining boom really saved Australia. Because what happens when you have an upset in the economy is all the governments, doesn't matter what government is, they go on this massive spending spree. And that spending spree means that they need materials particularly steel, but also coal and, and other things, basically the minerals that we have in the ground. And that's what we saw through the GFC, the global financial crisis, that the mining boom, um, commodity prices went up, the mining industry went crazy, and Australia actually made a lot of money. But it was a two-tiered economy because what we saw is the mining, those that were involved in mining were making bucket loads of money, but those in other industries really started to suffer. And I know a lot of people got hurt through GFC. Well, the same thing happened this time with the COVID pandemic that we had. The mining industry has gone crazy. Prop, uh, mining prices, mineral prices have all gone up. They've come up, they've come down, they've gone up again. So they're kind of bobbing around, but they're still much, much higher than they were pre-COVID. But this time, there's been so much support on the ground for non-mining industries that uh, the bottom, you know, the, the rest of the market hasn't created a two-tiered economy like it did with GFC. 
So that can be seen as we play out in the uh, in the charts. This actually shows us our overall exports in Australian dollars. And you can see there, uh, you know, we're well and truly up on anywhere we've ever been previously in any part of history. Even if you go back to the uh, beginning of GFC back there in 2008, that's when we had GFC. You can see the fall that happened then. And we kind of bobbed along, but basically up through all that period of time. And then we hit... Uh, the beginning of 2020, which is obviously COVID, and we had the downfall for COVID, but look where we've picked up from. So, you know, we're well and truly up on where we perhaps would have been had we just drawn a straight line and, and uh, we didn't have COVID to deal with. So our resources um, have boosted, have been boosted because of high commodity pricing. And that's what this chart shows you. It shows you the resources, which is all, all you know, minerals and um, iron ore and coal and gold and nickel and lithium and everything else that we've we've got here. And that is absolutely rocketed. Then we go to the blue line. You can see is rural goods, and they've picked up a bit, which is pretty good. Um, manufacturing uh, is the uh, yellow line, which has kind of gone around, really done nothing. The one that's actually fallen is services, and that fell because of COVID. Uh, a lot of, you know, we weren't able to travel and all of those other things. So services really, uh, really did take a bit of a hit. But this is our balance of trade. Now, again, go back to GFC. Go back to what happened when we had GFC in the 2008. The, you know, first of all, our, our um, commodities dropped, but then the governments went on a spending spree and look what happened after that. Now, we've seen the same thing here. This time, because of the underlying support, uh, we didn't drop very much, but my goodness, has our balance of trade gone up, which is absolutely incredible for uh, for Australia. And it's really backed, as you saw in the previous charts, with the mining industry. And a lot of that has been due to actual pricing, not just volumes. So yes, we're shipping out more, but the base metal prices have gone up. Consequently, uh, you know, our profit or our bottom line has also gone up. And remember, when we have, um, you know, an industry like mining that does well and our balanced trade is doing well, that translates to jobs. Jobs translates to money in everyone's pocket. That translates to investing that money uh, and spending that money, which means more people in the broader economy make more money. And ultimately, where does it end up? It ends up in property. So whether it's directly uh, in savings or whether it goes on a roundabout through the, the grocer and the butcher and the holidays and the, the, the transport and everything else, and it gets into those hands, then it ends up in property. Ultimately, it ends up in property. And that's why when I talk about the economy and where we're doing and how we're doing and all of those things, it's important to recognize that the bottom line is that uh, good or bad ends up in the property bottom line. This was an article in the Financial Review. Commodity a commodity boom shields Australia from a global showdown, which uh, which it has, and it's been it's been a good thing for Australia. This is actually interesting because what this shows is what happened with China. Now we all know back last year, China decided that they didn't like us anymore because of something that our PM said or something. I don't know. There's about 14 points that they were that they were pretty miffed about Australia and why they they weren't particularly pleased 
companies with us. And as a consequence to that, they started to ban our exports, to their imports to them, and their, uh, then they put excises and duties and all these other things so that the Chinese didn't want our stuff anymore. Now, that caused, you know, obviously a lot of heartache for us, but we were very reactive. In fact, we did very well. We got out there and we marketed ourselves, uh, and we, we replaced those, um, that loss of trade to China with other countries. And was something we should have done previously. I mean, imagine where if we'd done this when we weren't just sitting back on a comfy couch with China. Uh, you know, imagine if we'd done that and where our exports could be and how much more money we could have been making. Obviously, productivity is, is a thing. We've got a limit as to how much we can actually produce, but we still would have been better off. So if you look at this chart here, you can see the dotted light blue line is how trade with China really fell down. And, uh, you know, as a percentage, we've got right down to, to, uh, 20% where we were up around almost 50% going to China. But look what happened with the other line. And, uh, that gives us our, uh, the Australian, um, exports elsewhere. And you can see we are right up there where we were with, uh, you know, where we were with China. We've replaced it with other markets. And that is fantastic news for Australia. The next thing that I want to talk about is something that you may not have your eye on, and that is that foreign investors are starting to look at Australia again. Now, the last time they did this was back in about oh, 2014, 15, 16, when we started to have massive price increasing uh, because of overseas investment, mainly from China, I might add. Um, but then, obviously, APRA got involved and they restricted lending and all these other things, and that's what caused the little downturn that we had in 2017 because of the APRA restrictions on lending. So have a look at this. Basically, there are lots and lots of investment coming in from all around the world um, and people trying to get their money out of wherever they are into somewhere where it's considered to be a safe haven. So this is the share of total demand for new and established properties by foreign buyers. Now, even though we're down at, you know, 8% going to foreign buyers and, and, uh, you know, established buildings being 2.5. Well, established building 2.5 is normal because, uh, as a foreign buyer, you've got to meet the foreign review board rules, which means that, uh, you've got to increase the value of the property by a certain percentage and whatever if you buy existing, whereas a new property automatically qualifies. So that's why new properties are going to be always for foreign investors going to be more desirable than, uh, than established properties because we don't like them buying established properties. We want them to buy new, which generates more construction, more industry, more everything else. Um, and that's a good thing for the economy at large. So we've had this bit of a pickup in 2021. There was a lot of interest in, uh, in what was happening here in Australia. So the share of demand for established properties you can see there has been up and down, but go back to where, um, 2000, as I said, 2014, 15, 16, that's when we actually peaked with overseas, uh, overseas buyers. Um, and similar kind of chart there, if you look at the new properties, again, uh, that's when, that's when we were, you know, really, um, really on a high from foreign investment. But if you look at the end of the chart there, you can see it's starting to pick up. And the ones that are picking up are actually, surprise, surprise, WA and uh, New South Wales. Well, New South Wales is to be expected, but WA, not so much. Um, Queensland, not so much. 
and uh, of course across Australia it's been significant which is which is good Victoria mm, not so much actually okay let's move on to the next thing what can we learn from the US boom all right well the US property market is booming uh, with many of the same dynamics playing out as we have here in Australia in particular, America is facing major delays on construction thanks to material shortages and the tight labour force. So even though they get a lot of uh, illegal immigrants working on their construction sites, and that's why construction is actually a lot cheaper over there than it is here, um, and uh, but they're, they're having the same kind of problems with materials and the cost of materials. And in fact, a lot of our timber is even going to America. And that's why we've got a shortage in timber. But the American market is paying more for our timber than, than the local market. So this shows you uh, a little bit of an index here um, and how the housing industry, you know, this is across all the cities here, but the composite index has been increasing post-COVID, so there's more activity going on. And the National Single Family Rent Index has also taken a massive hike. Now, again, that is what we're seeing here in Australia. We're seeing more and more uh, pressure on rental pricing, and it's going to continue because we don't have enough stock. We don't have enough stock because the uh, we stopped building things because of APRA and the what they did back in 2017. I keep harping on on that, but they really ruined the country. And APRA is the controlling body that can controls the banks and they basically stopped lending. So it became incredibly difficult for anybody to do anything simply because uh, they couldn't get the finance to do it. So supply uh, was cut back. It was still cut back. Then COVID happened. We've still got a supply issue and consequently rents are increasing. Well, it's the same thing in America. Now, this is the population change between 2020 and 2030. And, uh, you can see there that, you know, there's a change in, uh, in age and demographic from, uh, you know, the under 35s. And the big jump up there is to the uh, 35 to 40s, which is where home ownership is a big, big issue. Um, and then you've got your retiring people. So how we're seeing, uh, the over 65s are actually, uh, you know, becoming a, a bigger percentage of the population. Now, again, the same thing is happening in Australia, which is why we're seeing the prolification of a huge, huge amount of retirement villages. I don't know about where you live, but where I live, there's retirement villages popping up all over the place. And that's to cater for our, our aging population. Uh, this again in America, we're seeing massive job ads, um, you know, more vacancies. The labor market is very, very tight. Um, you know, the job openings for total unemployed, there's not that many, not compared to, you know, where they, they, uh, the unemployment rate as to was pre-COVID. Uh, the U.S., um, uh, this just shows you how over the, the years of supply, uh, sorry, the demand has been, um, has gone and you know, we see there the demand for properties. Well, uh, look at the dark blue line, which is where we are in 2020. And you can see again that the, uh, you know, our demand is, is very, very high. Our supply is down just like they have and new construction and large remodel contractor project delays. So, you know, 72% 
of the um, of the construction going on in the US is in delays. Seventy two percent. There's only twenty twenty something twenty two percent that's on um, it's on target. You know they're they're not ex- experiencing delays, and the seventy two percent is. Um, uh, is one to to three month delay, the four percent is three four to six months delay, and uh, indefinite delay. There's certainly some there as well, but that seems to have gone away uh, in 2022. So, as far as Australia is concerned, we're going through exactly the same thing. Um, all of our building projects, I know our own projects that we've got going, have all been delayed, and not only for weather and floods and all the rest of it, but also from materials, uh, simply because they haven't been able to get the materials. And oh my goodness, has the cost gone up? To give you an example, one of the uh, the properties that my son is actually building at the moment, one of my sons, he's building a duplex. Now, when they contracted to build that duplex, um, the contract price was from memory four hundred thousand, I think four hundred and twelve, something like that. Um, and then because of the delays with council, thank you very much, council. Uh, the next quote, because we thought, yep, it's going to go ahead now. Council's nearly got it. The subdivision's approved. Da da da. The next quote was for seventy, uh, and then council insisted on having an MCU because it was a duplex, which delayed things again. And now the quote to build that same duplex in a matter of you know a year, or just a bit a bit over a year, is now uh, five hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. Wow! 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 So that's the kind of stuff that, that we're experiencing right across the board in every situation, not just small stuff, not just retail, but also in the larger, uh, larger high rises and the like and commercial, of course. And we're not alone because America is doing exactly the same thing, but property holds a boom pace. So, um, you know, the property boom is still continuing, even though the rate at which we are increasing is not what it was in 2021. But goodness, you wouldn't want it to be. We had 20-something percent increase in property prices in 2021. Um, but what we're seeing now is we're still growing, but not at the same kind of rates. And that's a good thing because it means we're still in boom. Uh, listings remain suppressed, pointing to a shortage. Surprise, surprise. Uh, rents are booming because of that same shortage and investors are picking up the slack from the owner occupiers. So what we saw through 2021, a lot of the big demand boost was coming from first home owners and from the building boost because everybody wanted their extra $10,000 for the building boost. Well, uh, that has abated now. Most of that stuff has shuffled through the system. But what we're now seeing is investors jumping in because rents are so high. So they're jumping in from a yield perspective. Let's, but, but listings are low. And let's have a look at listings for now. So if we look at new listings, this is the change from the equivalent period last year. So this is, um, I think this is 1st of May to the 1st of May last year. Australia as a whole has nearly 10% less listings than we did a year ago. The regionals are about 1.4% uh, lower in listings, but the capital cities, they're sitting at 13.7% lower listings. We've got less on the market. Now, in some places like, you know, the um, the Northern Territory, it's 29%. Well, 
that's probably because there's not a lot of listings and a few properties make a big difference there. But look at Sydney. Sydney has 20% less listings. Melbourne has 16% less listings. Perth has nearly 11% less listings. It's only places like Hobart and Darwin which actually indicate there are more listings and that really starts to indicate that we've got a bit of a turn happening in those markets. This is the number of new listings, um, you know, nationally. So we're talking about, about 38,000, uh, compared to this time last year. That's still 10% down. Um, and it's, it's also, uh, 6% down on where we were five years ago. So right across the board, listings are the problem. We simply don't have enough. And that's, that's not just in existing properties, but it's also in new properties. This shows you the total listings change for the equivalent period last year. Um, and again, uh, across Australia, we're nearly 13%, 20% down uh, in the um, uh, in the regionals and 7% down in the capital cities. As far as numbers are concerned, that's a hundred and nearly 40,000 homes which are not listed right now. Crazy, isn't it? And if we look at where we're at compared to five years ago, 30% down, 30% down on where we were five years ago from a listing perspective. There's no wonder that, you know, the prices are going up. We simply don't have enough stock. Plus the fact that we've got all of this pent up demand, uh, first of all, from APRA changes back in 2017 and then COVID. And, uh, you know, and then what's going to happen now is we'll open up the borders to, to immigration. And as soon as those 200, 300, 400,000 more people hit the country, what do you think is going to happen then? We're already in undersupply. Property prices have a massive upward pressure. What about rents? Well, rents obviously are, are, are a, a sidetrack to that as well. Across Australia, rents have gone up 9%. In the regionals, they've gone up nearly, seven, nearly 11%. And in the capital cities, they've gone up um, 8%, 8.3%. And you can see, you can look at where your city is um, or, or regional area, and you can see just how much rents have gone up. But you would have been feeling it as well. This shows you pretty much the same thing, but it just shows you in a line graph how dramatic those increases are. You know, from where we were back in 2017, 18, 19, 20, and then what happened? Massive rent increases all through COVID and it hasn't stopped yet. Now, what that's meant is the investors are getting pretty excited. So you can see here the monthly value of new finance commitments. So there's more and more financing coming out for uh, investors. And we've seen a massive spike in that ever since basically COVID. You know, we've, we've, uh, I've been talking about this for a number of years now, just how the market has changed and how the yield has got better. Interest rates were low, even though they're starting to go up now. Um, but, uh, that really shows you in the finance area. The portion of new lending for investment housing. And you can see there we're running at around about the 35% mark. Um, we're nowhere near though where we were back in 2014, which was obviously some of the recovery period for, uh, for coming out of GFC, etc. And also that was the peak of the foreign investment times. You can see there when we changed the rules about lending, how that started to, uh, to come off from there. So investors as a percentage of, uh, housing finance, uh, 
ACT, 30% are investors. Northern Territory, 23%. Tassie, 33%. WA, 25%. South Australia, nearly 23, 33%. Uh, Queensland, a bit more activity up there, from particularly from for, um, investors from the southern states, 38%. Victoria, 32%. New South Wales, 39%. And across Australia, as I said, we're running at that 35%. So you can see there in the line graph how that's run for each of the states and how there's been a big pickup since, you know, through COVID and it's continuing through 2022. So pretty much the same story right across the board across all states. Now, this is the first homeowners, uh, first home buyers as a percentage of owner occupiers. And a lot of this bump up that we're seeing is because of the boost, the builder's boost that we saw, and also the first homeowner grants, etc., and, uh, the first homeowner scheme where they can get in for a lower deposit and all of those other things that we saw. So ACT as a percentage has about 27% first home buyers, 25% for, uh, Northern Territory, Tassie's running at 22%, WA at 32%, uh, and that's mainly in the regionals, I think, too. Oh, no, not necessarily. Perth's been been pretty buoyant. South Australia's running at 20%, Queensland nearly 23%, Victoria 26%, and uh, New South Wales running at 20.4%. So overall, the average is running at around about 23.6%. So what does all that mean? What it means is there is great demand. Demand is higher than we've seen in a long, long time. Supply is very, very limited. We've got uh, increase in foreign buyers coming in as well. Plus, we're going to have migration opening soon. What does all that amount to? Property price pressure. There will be more of it, regardless of how much the government wants to have, uh, you know, social housing and all these other things and try and alleviate affordability with rentals. It's simply not going to work because we've got too much pent up demand and we haven't got enough stock. That's the bottom line. And it's hard to get stock because we haven't got materials and labor force uh, pricing is going up. There's delays. <sighs> But it's a good thing if you're in property, and that's great. And that's where you need to be. You need to be in property. You need to be making hay while the sun shines. You need to be getting in there and really, um, really going hard in the property stakes because that's where you're going to get the most momentum. Now, I've got a little bit of a, a quote for you this week, and it's one from Dr. Zeus. Here it is. Why fit in when you are born to stand out? I absolutely love that saying. You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. Two really great quotes, two really great sayings uh, for uh, for us to contemplate and wonder this week. And uh, one of the things that I want you to do now, instead of rereading the chapter, rereading your situation, doing the same old thing, expecting a different result, what I want you to do is to take up one of my free 60-minute breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. And they will help you with your goals, where you're at, what you, you know, where you're 
where you you can head in the future, what your opportunities are, and um, and how we can help you with that. Now, remember, we don't sell properties. That's not what this is about. We're helping you and coaching you to be able to get the absolute best results you possibly can. All you've got to do is to go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash, and uh, that's where we'll get the uh, you know we'll we'll reach out to you, lock in one of those appointments and make sure you're on time. Put it in your diary so that you're, you know, you're not delayed and you don't forget about it and we can help you move forward and get some rungs on the board so that you can stand out just like you were born to do and you're not rereading the chapter and expecting a different result. So that's it from me this week. I hope you enjoyed the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass and I'll be back again to talk to you very, very soon with uh, with some, some more interesting topics. Talk to you again, guys. Bye now.